0: Your hand, and these guys will be glad to give you one. Go ahead and turn to Colossians chapter 2. Since I'm into embarrassing people, I'll do it again. I want to thank Dan and the folks in the sound booth. I just dumped that on them this morning. Dan is always there and does a lot of things for me that nobody even knows about. Really, pretty. he is a, has, has the gift of service tonight. Colossians chapter 3. I want to pray before we start today. Just take a moment. Lord, we do thank you for the reality of who Jesus Christ is, not just now, who he has always been, the eternal God of the universe, but the incarnate deity, he created the universe, existed with time, he is God, and Lord, even in our lives presently, the reality we have, the hope we have, cause of Jesus Christ. My prayer today is that we can revel in that, and as we look at being free in Christ, that we would be excited, no matter what may be going on around us, that we are free. Free from eternal damnation, but also free, Lord, of strengths, mental, whatever they might be, now that we can have victory, peace, and hope, joy, because Christ is the truth. and he's set free. We pray in his name. All right, as you, if you haven't already, turn to Colossians chapter 2. This was not what I was going to speak on today. We've been talking about this series being free Indeed, real freedom, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Indeed, and, and what Christ meant by those words that we've talked about, positionally, who we are in Christ, and our future is secure in Him, and, and that we are set free, we declared righteous. We began to look at the different aspects of that, and I was going to move on to a different aspect of it this week, but as I was reading in Colossians 3, going back over what we spoke on last week, That we're, since we're raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. And reading the context, I kept going back to chapter 2 and reading it, and I was so impressed with things that God was laying on my heart, and I was reading it, started studying it, and doing background on that again, and I realized that this is what God wants me to share with you. So, we're going to go back and look at the context leading in to chapter 3, what we were talking about last week, and realizing the, the historical context as well as the textual context of what the Apostle Paul was dealing with really makes it fascinating when you study this. I was reading a story this week, true story about a college student. One of the reasons it fascinated me is I went through this as well. I want you to notice Colossians 2 verse 8, how it begins. The Apostle Paul says to the, to the believers at Colossae, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy. We're going to come back to that. Here's where the story fits in. I took philosophy in college in 1972. and that's a long time ago, but I took it in 1972. And this story is a more recent one about a young man that was in a philosophy class. And I had a very same experience, but it fits well with, dovetails well with what we're going to talk about today. He's in his philosophy class, and the professor throws out the topic. The existence of God, which is a very popular subject to discuss in philosophy. So he throws that subject out. And his professor's logic was this. How many of you have ever touched God? Which the students all said, No, none of us have. How many of you have ever seen God? Their answer was, none of us have. How many of you have ever heard God? Their answer was, none of us have. No one says anything. The professor says, therefore, if you haven't heard, you haven't seen, you haven't touched God, his answer was... There's no God. Nobody says anything for a few minutes. And then he had once the class, dumb enough like I was to say he's a Christian or brave enough, said, I'd like to ask a question. The professor said, sure, that's why we're here. Let's talk about the existence of God. So the student stands up and he turns to the class and he said, how many of you have ever touched the professor's brain? They all answered, uh, they didn't say anything. He said, how many of you have ever seen the professor's brain? How I many have you ever heard the professor's brain silence in the room? He says, well, then according to the professor's logic, he has no brain. And I think sometimes as Christians, we want to disconnect. And the term apologetics, throw it out there and that sounds like that's smart, Christian. No, apologetics, why we're on the planet, to defend the faith, stand for the faith, realize that it is the truth because philosophy is supposed to be seeking after truth. That's what it is, seeking after wisdom. And the reality is God wants you to do that. God wants you to ask the hard questions. God wants you to say, is there a God? Because if honestly seek after truth, you will be driven to the fact that the evidence points to that there is a God. The next logical question is, who is he? What did he do? And ultimately, if you're seeking truth, Notice on the screen, the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. And earlier, what did he say? I, or later, will say, I am the truth. And in this same passage, it says, the truth will set you free. You hear me talk about it all the time. As long as the Lord gives me voice, and lips to use, or maybe the ability to communicate in any way, I will constantly be driven back to just the truth. He's not a way, he's the way. And why is that important? Because what does Satan want believe? There are many ways. There are a lot of avenues. He is a truth. That's fine. That's cool. But he's not the truth. He's not the only way. Well, that's exactly what he told Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Has God truly said? And we've been asking that question ever since. Has God truly said? What did he mean? Who is he? He's just trying to be mean to me. Well, the reality is he wants you to seek wisdom. He wants you to seek truth. Philosophy is a good thing if you're honest. That professor wasn't honest. Using false reasoning to come to false conclusion truth is there is a God. The evidence points to, even if you don't believe the Bible, the evidence of creation, DNA, you are, a ability to think and do what you do intellectually, points to the fact that it's not a random act of chance. There's some intellect far superior to yours created all of this. Now, maybe you don't believe he's the God of the Bible. Then who is he? Then you go to the next and you ask the next question. So, When you get to Colossians chapter 2, what the Apostle Paul is doing, the passage we're going to look at today, he's warning the Christians at Colossae about a specific heresy called the Colossian heresy, and part of it is Gnosticism. These were these false teachers that were coming into the church and claiming to have superior wisdom to everybody else, or that we are the intellectual elite, a lot like what goes on in our culture today, that if you're a Christian, you're just an idiot. If you're really smart, you'll believe that we all just got here by accident. It's kind of, we're here. Or that it's it's just simply your reason is all that matters. Our faith is placed in something that is trustworthy and it is logical when you examine the evidence. So the Gnostics complained to have superior wisdom and they denied the deity of Jesus Christ. They said he was a great man, a great teacher, a great leader, but not God. Sound familiar? That's our culture today. We do not live in a Christian nation anymore. We live in a post-Christian nation. And Jesus is a option. He is not the option. So you could choose him. That's fine. You could also choose anything else. And that's fine as well. But a philosopher, as Clint Meade has said, is a seeker after truth. Now notice again verse 8. Beware lest anyone, Paul is dealing with these false teachers, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So here's what I want to do as we begin to walk through this today. Realizing again what we're talking about is being free in Christ. Real freedom. Well, you're living out your faith. You are aware of those around you. You love them. You care about them. You're ready. You're eager. You're real. As a believer, you want to share your faith. You want to talk about it. You want to dialogue. You want to interact because you care. And you realize only Jesus set a person free. And without Christ, there is no hope in this life or the next. Without Jesus Christ, there's no peace in this life or the next. Without Jesus Christ, there's no joy in this life or the next. But in Christ, you have all those things, both this life and the next. You are set free. You are a child of God. We've already established that. But I want us to revel in this freedom. And the first thing I want you to see is that free false philosophy We should be philosophers. Every human being is. Everybody has a belief system. Everybody has a philosophy of life. We should talk about it. We should dialogue. And and what's really interesting about Colossians is that the believers at Colossae were a mixture, multicultural. And there were a lot of Greeks coming to the Lord. And the Greeks were absolutely fascinated by and held in high esteem philosophy. matter of fact, if you read Acts chapter 17, Paul is at Athens and he goes to a place called Mars Hill. And he sit in the, in the philosophers there in Athens would simply gather at Mars Hill to do nothing but talk about philosophy. So Paul went there to do what? Talk about philosophy with them. It's an absolutely fascinating passage of Scripture. Just read Acts chapter 17 sometime this week. And in that chapter, he addresses and he deals with these philosophers without ever quoting Scripture, taking their own poets, their own mindset, and he dialogues and interacts with them. And ultimately brings them around to understanding where did you come from. Let me declare to you the God who ignorantly worshipped. Because they had a statue, they had an idol. At that time they had like 30,000 public idols in Athens. And they had one to the unknown God. Of a generic, in case we missed one, let's throw it. Him who ignorantly worshiped. Let me declare. You see, everybody who's a human being. Would you be the only ones we're talking to because animals can't deal with this. Everybody you talk to. Or listen to. Or interact with has not only a philosophy of life, they are ultimately, if they're honest, seek truth. They'd like to know, what is the truth? It's the great question men have always asked. So when you come to Colossians, these Greeks were coming into the church, very fascinated and holding in high esteem philosophy. And Let me ask you a question. Is Satan stupid? If you don't know the answer, it's no. It's extremely bright. He was the anointed cherub. Other than God himself, the most brilliant being out there. So, do you think at the church of Colossae, where they were new people were coming in, new believers who were fascinated by philosophy, you think he might send some false Of course he would. Today, don't you think he sends false out saying Jesus did die on the cross? For example, Rob Bell dealt with last year, tremendous following internet and internet has decided that the gospel of Jesus Christ, he said that are exactly what God meant. Ultimately, everyone will. Jesus Christ is few because most reject. Look at our society today, most accept Jesus, they reject it. Satan's not stupid. So what he would send into the church are false teachers to use a li- like Satan in the Garden of Eden, use a little truth, but mix in a lot of error. And once you start mixing in error with truth, what do you have? You still have truth? Of course not. What you have is poison. And that's exactly what it's happening here. So Paul's first thing he does is warn them, beware of these false philosophers. Notice the phrase he uses in verse 8. Beware lest anyone cheat you. Great word in Greek. One simple little word. It means to kidnap you. Or to take you captive in a war and haul you away to make you slave of something else. It means plunder you. Literally the picture being painted in Greek here by Paul in the context. These are men stealers. They want to come into your church and they want to kidnap you away from truth and make you a slave, to something else that's not the truth. Back again to our premise. What does truth do? It sets you free. Anything other than truth puts you in bondage. And that's exactly what he's talking about. Beware. I'm warning you. The word beware. I'm warning you as fellow believers that I love and I care about. This is the Apostle Paul writing. Do not let anyone kidnap you, plunder you, steal you away from the truth and make you a slave of something else. Notice what their weapon is to do this. Beware lest anyone kidnap, plunder, take you away, steal you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Get the picture. What they're sharing that is going to steal you away from, notice the very last part of the verse, not according to Christ, they're going to take you away from Christ's principles. Here's what they offer. Number one, empty deceit, empty deceit. What empty deceit means in Greek is something that is hollow and that will trick you. In other words, it looks good. Be like a prono pup with nothing on the inside. Those prono pups are golf tournament Only eight five. Hollow on the inside, even though it looks really good on the outside, that's empty deceit. These philosophers are going to come in. What they're going to offer you looks good, sounds good, but has nothing to offer. It's empty deceit. Hollow trickery. It's fruitless. Or the next point, according to the tradition of men. They're going to come in and they're going to offer you something. The Greek phrase here means a pagan theory of culture or something religious. It could be very, very religious. Satan loves religion. Read 1 Corinthians. He loves it. Just don't follow Jesus. So that's what he's saying here. The principles of man or the principles of the world, which will be next. Pagan theories, and there were many of them. Remember, these people love philosophy. Philosophy is a good thing. Honestly, see truth. They weren't. They're going to bring you in this other pagan theory that they're going to try to steal you away from the truth. Beware. It's coming. And then the other one is it might be religious. Some legalist rules. We'll talk more about that in weeks to come. The next one, according to worldly principles. This was really interesting and very specific with the Colossian heresy because here's what they would say. Simple ABCs, like we have done about the professor earlier. But what they talked about... Is that there are supernatural powers out there and there are spirits that guide the heavenly bodies in the universe that didn't run our lives. And that they might pull you away toward these spirits that through the planets, stars run your life. You ever hear? Today, what do we call that? Astrology. Part of what they were talking about, particularly in that day, obviously it's still going on today, is that they believed that there was a God of the moon, there was a God of the star, there was a God of the sun. They even had plant like was a God. Venus, the God. Mars, the God. And you worship, did your homage, paid your dues so you could get that God on your side. And that's part of what's going on here. So beware. It's going to come in. It's going to creep in to try to steal you away from the truth. Empty deceit. Men's Worldly and notice the last point not according to christ not according christ they want their own appetite you see it throughout the new Testament. he deals with he warns thee about in the last days people are going to be lovers of selves and they're going to seek teachers tell them what they want to hear because they have itching ears tell them what they want to hear you don't think that's prevalent today the greatest sellers on the christian book market are not meant to be of God, men offer and be good, do the best you can, power, you are, not God, you, you can have your own reality, they're the ones that sell the books, they're the ones that have the huge followings, because when you look somebody in the eye and say, without Jesus Christ, you're going to die and go to hell, that to them is not a positive message, but if you say to someone, don't worry about it, you can have your own reality, and it's all good, and we're all going to get there in the end, that feels good, doesn't it, the problem is, it's not the, and it doesn't set free, it's not loving, Away from Christ. I want you to listen to some verses where Paul deals with this, Peter deals with this, other places. But just listen. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul writes to Timothy and says, these people that I was just talking about, these false teachers, they're always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is extremely powerful. You see that? Always learning, but never coming the truth. See, God's not interested in you filling up your mind's facts. and f- You get the knowledge. You get tr- truth, do? It sets you free. It will change life. It will give you purpose, meaning, hope, peace, joy. Because it is the truth. Therefore, is way, therefore life. He is the truth. These people are always learning. But boy, just think about it. Even if you don't believe the Bible, as a Christian, watch secular media. You can talk about anything. You can do just about anything. But boy, when you bring up Jesus Christ, immediately what happens? It's taboo. It's wrong. You're obnoxious. right wing. Care. Why are we not allowed to have an opinion? Why are we not allowed to speak what fasting? Why Satan's good? He does. But the beauty of all of this is: Who is your God? Jesus Christ who is sovereign. Over. Even Satan created it. He threw Him out of heaven. He is sovereign. Him at the cross. He is sovereign to be part. He's doing. We'll come back to that later. Romans chapter sixteen. Paul writes to the church at Rome. I urge you, brethren, note those, mark them out, who cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine we've learned. Truth. Avoid them. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this, this is extremely important. They serve their own belly. And literally what that means is they're serving their own appetite. It might be power, it might be esteem, it might be money. They're not serving Christ. Who are they serving? Themselves. These false teachers are in it for themselves. Some false teachers are sincere and they're just wrong. Some are flat out con artists. That's why it always has to come back to not how good a guy is. How flashy he is, the good speaker, which money he has, what size is his following? Again, I will embarrass him because he's a godly brother. A guy You see a guy like Gary Whitmore who's 19 his life, when he speaks, you know you can listen. To them. You know you're hearing. They serve their own belly. Notice the last part. By smooth words and flattering speech, they're a good talker. You think Satan's going to put somebody in prayer that can't do it? Of course not. Flattering speech. Now notice what they do. Deceive hearts of the simple. I know you're tired of hearing this. I'm sorry. How much time do you word of God? So when somebody comes along and says something's not to oh, go, wait a minute, do you understand why Bible study sound Bible getting in finding out what it says, knowing that when somebody comes along who's after th- they're in it for themselves, their own appetite, they can't deceive you because you're not a simple. You know the truth. You're, you're learning, growing. You're not one of those learn it, never acknowledge. You're hearing the word of God, internalizing, applying it. Second Corinthians, Paul says this. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal or fleshly, but they are mighty in God. We are at war for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. These false teachers are exalting themselves and knowledge the of God. What they teach, for example, at Colossae, they were saying they had superior wisdom. To what Paul was teaching, to what Jesus had taught. Jesus one, but not the only. They had superior wisdom, so you ought to listen to them. And the Apostle Paul was telling the church Corinth, which, by the way, was a very fleshly, immature church that struggled with this. He's saying to them, understand, it's there. But our weapons are mighty in God. we to pull down those in the argument and the high things. Salt themselves to God. Mentally, give yourself to Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul says to that church again, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool, that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God, for it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness, and again, The Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, but they are futile. Therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool. It's not that wisdom is a bad thing. What he's saying, wisdom is obviously what we want. But wisdom is seeing things as God sees. What Paul was telling the church Corinth, if your wisdom is the wisdom of men, then become a fool. Because a fool, hopefully a fool in the sense you seek truth. Wisdom of God, you seek truth. It won't be futile. It will be something that sets you. F- All right, go back to Colossians now. Look at verse 9. We're free From false philosophy, I'm going to make one more point today, and then we're going to quit. But secondly, we're full in Christ, our fullness in Him. I've told you many times, and it's fascinating to me as I read the New Testament, or the writings of the Apostle Paul. His favorite word to describe a Christian phrase is, in Christ, or in Him. He uses it over and over again. matter of fact, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul uses this phrase, in Him, or some variation of it, more than 160 times in his writings. Over and over again. Here's why, it's, so there's a lot of reasons it's important. Here's why it really excites me. And one of the reasons, the genesis of this part of the series is that every day, when I remember this, every day, no matter what I face, I am in Christ. If any man's in Christ, he's creation. he passed pass away, all things come new. Literally what that means, because you see things with different eyes. Everything, every relationship, every, every encounter, everything that I might struggle, I might, uh, that might come along, tough times, good times, I'm in Christ. I'm free at peace. It doesn't mean everything's always cool around me. Read Paul's life. He had all kinds of problems, but he knew it was in Christ. That's why I said my favorite verse of the Bible. Ready? What's Philippians 1:21? To live is Christ. To die is gain. Did I go through this life? It's about Jesus. When I die, I win both ways. It's a win-win. For I'm free and I'm full in Christ. Everything I need. Look at verse 9. What's the first word in verse 9? For. For. Why are you free of this false philosophy in the context? Because. For. Because. In him, in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The the emphasis in Greek of this sentence is the phrase in him. Here's what he's saying. Your spiritual position as a Christian is not someone who's chosen to be this religious person, this particular religion I've chosen this. Your, Your spiritual position in Christ is that you are in him. You are a Christian. You are in Christ. It's not one of the options chosen. You've been born again. You've been given a new nature. You, You are a Christian, a child of God of the universe. He is your father. You're part of his family. You will inherit joint heir Jesus Christ. You are in him. The emphasis is your spiritual position. Four, verse nine, in him Christ dwells all fullness of the Godhead bodily. The word dwells means permanently resides. Because there were heresies going around then and there are heresies going around now that Jesus, that God, Jesus was only God when he was on earth, temporarily. It's a thing called modalism. Sometimes God is here, sometimes God is there. When God was in Jesus, He wasn't also the Holy Spirit and the Father. You can't find it in the Bible, but it's taught by some of the most powerful Christian leaders in our country. That's not what the Bible says. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. Jesus is God incarnate, flesh but he's always been the second person of Trinity. He's always in God. That's who your Savior is. Not a guy who was great while he was on the earth. The God who spoke the earth into existence. Threw it out there. The God who created the universe. The God who will come back one day and rule over, give us a new heaven and a new earth. The God who will illuminate the new Jerusalem. Our eternal state will be illuminated by simply his presence. The light, no moon, no stars, nothing else. That's a little bit bigger than being Muhammad or Buddha, somebody else created religion. He is. Muhammad Prophet, created by Jesus Christ. Buddha, created by Jesus, was created by Jesus Christ. Barack Obama, created by Jesus, and so is every other person, or ever will. That's who you are. You are full in him. All the fullness of the Godhead, the Greek phrase means the glorious total of all that is God in its infinite totality the only place in the Testament that's very powerful. In the infinitality of all that is God, it dwells Jesus, who died on and said it is rose from the dead to prove it, to conquer it. He is your God. By the way, this is a direct answer to what the Colossian her- heretic preaching that Christ was only one. Paul is saying, no, he's not only one. He is the one who created all the others. So that they could have their false doctrine. Created humanity. Notice on your outline, John 1, 14. The word became flesh. The word means eternal logos. All that it is, the word. Eternal, always been. Became flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory. This is Jesus Christ. The beginning with the word. The word was God that was God. Jesus is the word. Eternal. We beheld his glory. Notice his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Unique Son of God. Look at the last phrase, full of grace and what? Truth, full of grace and truth. In other words, he's the only one, you are full in him. If you want God to be gracious to you, you gotta come to Jesus Christ. If you wanna know truth, you gotta come to Jesus Christ. And when you do, you're set free. When you're set free, you're free indeed. That's why we're called so, I was talking to a preacher, a preacher again this week. Doesn't believe that Jesus is in. he's in the mainline denomination. What do you preach? Well, the Prince of the Bible. So the number one Prince of the Bible is God, and He can save. Now He is a He is a way. It's amazing how prevalent that is. When you're set free, you know who set you free, and that's me, sir. You bow your heads, please, Father. We thank you for Jesus Christ, who sets us free. We thank you for truth that sets us free. I pray, Father, as believers, we would revel in our freedom. We would be excited about Christ. We would love to share Him with anybody. Dialogue philosophically. Yeah, there are a lot of hard questions, but Jesus is the answer. I pray we would learn, grow, wisdom, knowledge, and share our knowledge. Live it out. Lord, for somebody here who doesn't cry this moment, Lord, I believe you are the truth. I believe you died on the cross to set me. Please forgive me. Save right now. For the believers, Father, I pray we committed to living a life of freedom and sharing that with us. We pray in Jesus. And I ask you to stand as...